time to get your y'all on. Welcome into the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. I'm John Rawl, the General of All Things Southern, and we are so glad that you could tune in on this Tuesday edition, broadcasting on great stations around the Southland, as we bring you a two-hour dose of everything Dixie. It could be sports. We've got sports coming up in hour two. Uh, sports land, yeah. We're going to talk about the Clemson Tigers on Monday night going to the White House and having President Trump say wonderful things about the program. And we'll tell you about the special treats that the players got at the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue. Not exactly what you expect to find at the White House, what was served up Monday night. We'll have information about that as well as other college goings on at the start of hour one. And then we'll move over to Mr. Matt Hearman's in hour two. And he'll discuss all things barbecuing. And he told me prior to the show today that he wanted to do something a little bit different. So, hey, my ears are glued to Matt Hearman's. And I cannot wait to hear what he's got to say here as we get 2019 up and going from a barbecue perspective with the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, Matt Hearman's. All that in hour two. Here in hour one of the Y'all Show, we've got plenty of headlines that we'll start in just a sec. But also, later this hour, we'll have a political spotlight and something we talk about on this show, but maybe we spend too much time talking about what goes on in Washington, D.C. But for many southern states, this week may have happened last week, but a lot of it happened yesterday. You're having governors be inaugurated, and there were three that were inaugurated on Monday. We've got one in Arkansas going on today. Tennessee's got one coming up over the weekend, and other states are a little bit different. Some states already swore in their commander-in-chief last week, like South Carolina did. We've got audio coming up later in this hour of the new governor of the state of Georgia, Brian Kemp. Plus, we'll hear the new governor, at least official governor, as she was elected to a full term, Kay Ivey, the governor of Alabama, We've got audio of her being sworn in in Montgomery as she filled in a term that Governor Bentley had to vacate when he resigned from office, but elected to office now. And Governor Ivey, which is the second female governor to be officially Alabama's governor after an election. So we'll have all that coming up in our y'all political spotlight later this hour. If you want to reach us here on the All Southern Program, a couple of ways to do that. The easiest way, if you just got to get out there and start texting, hey, easy peasy, 803-816-1170 is the number to do that. Text or call, but a lot of you prefer texting. We can't wait to get a text. I dare you to text us. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know a suggestion. Maybe you've got an idea that you want us to discuss here on the Y'all Show. Maybe you want to tell us we're terrible. That's fine, too. 803-816-1170, the easy way to reach out and touch us here at the Y'all Show. Our website is y'all.com, Y-A-L-L.com. And on Instagram, we're at Y'all Show. On Twitter, we're at Y'all Show. So making it easy for you here in 2019. We start off today with our look around the South and what's going on. I was traveling on Monday and I was going through Metro Atlanta in my automobile just before the rush hour traffic. So thankfully I made it through Atlanta. I deserve a medal for that one. It's hard enough to go through Atlanta in a car, 
But can you imagine right now going through Atlanta, at least checking in in Atlanta, if you want to fly somewhere as Hartsfield Airport is the busiest airport in the country. And because of the government shutdown, there's been, of course, not only in Atlanta, but in lots of cities around the country, tons of no-shows as the airport security screeners are having the, what do they call it, a sick-in or something like that. It's not a strike, but they're calling in sick. It doesn't matter. It's making them already tough process if you're wanting to fly somewhere even tougher in fact listening to atlanta radio going through the traffic on monday afternoon the local station said look if you're planning on flying out of atlanta it's normally we ask you to be at the airport two hours in advance you need to make even more time so can you imagine going to an airport three hours before your flight well that's what they are at least encouraging at atlanta hartsfield airport And I imagine some airports, especially your more busy airports, probably recommending the same thing because of these TSA agents not showing up for work, calling in sick. Now, whether they're really sick or not, I don't, I don't rightly know, but at Atlanta's airport, again, the world, it's not just a nation, it's the world's busiest airport. Some passengers have waited more than an hour just to get through the checkpoints But again, at least what I heard on the radio, TSA is requesting that you be there at least, at least two hours in advance of your flight. And TSA is working with the Atlanta airport and airlines to maximize all available operational resources at the airport, according to a TSA spokesperson. Screeners will not do anything to compromise or change their security procedures during this government shutdown. But luckily, I I don't really have to fly all that often, and I certainly don't have to fly if I'm going in the south. Look, it's just a lot easier to get in the car. If you live in most of the south, let's say you don't live on the fringe, you live in the middle of the south, the mid-south, the Memphis, the Tennessee, the Mississippis, the Alabamas of the world, maybe even Kentucky. It's just a lot easier to get in your car and go to a place like Texas or go to Florida or Virginia. Now, I can understand you might want to fly if you're in West Texas, and you've got a convention going on in Wilmington, North Carolina. That would be quite a haul in the car. But otherwise, most of the South is within a 10 to 12-hour drive. And I think we just need to learn to start sucking it up. If you if you don't suck it up and you want to go out and get in an airplane and fly somewhere, look, we're telling you it's a two- to three-hour delay. You're having to kill three hours of your life just to deal with the TSA stuff. Usually you have to wait for a plane before it actually takes off. It might be slow taxiing or they are slow loading you up on the plane. Then you fly. Then you have to usually make a transfer and go somewhere on another plane. And here's a a great example. As I said on Monday show, I had to go to South Carolina this week. Well, South Carolina for me, going back to where I want to go, was usually about an eight-hour car drive, okay? If I wanted to fly as opposed to drive that eight hours, it would actually be about an hour savings if all goes well flying, but it's a lot more expensive. A lot more things can go wrong. You're stuck. If you fly, you want to go that route, you're kind of stuck. If there's any kind of weather delays, you're stuck at the airport. If you have anything go on where in a car, if, if let's say a major traffic deal goes on the interstate, you usually can 
find a way to get off that interstate, go down back roads and maneuver your way to where you want to go if you have to. Now, I know driving is dangerous, but so is flying in an airplane. Luckily, we haven't had any major airline failures in this country in a long time, at least of a big magnitude. That's a wonderful thing. But yes, a lot of times, and you know what I'm talking about, if you're a Southerner who has had that debate, do I fly or do I drive? It's just usually a lot easier to drive. And plus, when you drive, when you get to your destination, you got your own wheels and you can easily pick up and maneuver all you want to and leave if you want. It's just It just makes life a lot simpler, in my humble opinion. But yes, no matter where you are in the South, keep your eye out on TSA and the delays going on with that. Three children in Florida have died after they were playing outside and they climbed into an unplugged chest freezer and they perished because they could not get out. This happened in Sewanee County. Live Oak, Florida, and the children ages one, four, and six, they just cannot be revived when they were found Sunday at a home in Live Oak, which is in North Florida. The children lived at a house with two of the children's grandmother and the other child's mother. The women were roommates. Just a terrible situation. Three youngsters just playing, just being kids, but they went out in the yard to an unplugged chest freezer and suffocated. What a terrible story coming from the Sunshine State. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, took a little bit of time to get away from Washington. He hasn't been traveling too much lately because of the government shutdown, but he did go to Dixie and he went to the home of Dixie, literally, as he went to New Orleans, where Dixie was born. And he was there on Monday speaking at the Farm Bureau Convention. And at the Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans, the president went off against border crossings, uh, amongst other things. But yes, he really went off against illegal border crossings during the speech at to the nation's farmers at the Ernest Morial Convention Center in the Big Easy. And the president promised to fix an immigration system the agriculture sector relies on for migrant labor. Of course, the president, as we said, in New Orleans, this was the 100th annual convention and trade show of the American Farm Bureau Federation. So congratulations on that feat, all you members of Farm Bureau, but having the president come all the way from D.C. to the convention, quite, quite a scene. Ahead of the president's arrival, about 200 protesters marched through the downtown streets as Air Force One touched down at Louis Armstrong International Airport, and the president was met by House Minority Whip Steve Scalise of the New Orleans area, as well as Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duvall. I love that name, Zippy Duval, president of the Farm Bureau Federation. <laughs> and when the president arrived, Scalise, a huge LSU fan, a huge New Orleans Saints fan, capitalized on the current success of the NFL franchise in Louisiana as he shouted, who dat, to the reporters at the tarmac. Steve Scalise, what a incredible story he's had recovering from the near death he had while practicing for the congressional baseball team in 2017. On Monday, a federal judge put a nationwide hold on the Trump administration's rules that allow more employers to opt out of providing women with no-cost birth control. U.S. District Judge Wendy Beetlestone in Philadelphia agreed with a lawsuit originally filed by Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania, that is, 
citing the potential harm to states should the rules be enforced. Numerous citizens could lose contraceptive coverage, Beetlestone wrote, resulting in the increased use of state-funded contraceptive services as well as increased costs to state services from unintended pregnancies, but a setback for the Trump administration as the court blocking the Trump birth control coverage. Media news, and this comes from Gannett, one of the largest newspaper companies and media companies in the country. A hedge fund has attempted to buy the Gannett Company, the publisher of USA Today, and a whole bunch of other major daily newspapers in the country. I know they own in Tennessee, I believe they own the Commercial Appeal in Memphis, the Tennessean in Nashville. They own the Jackson, Mississippi Clarion Ledger and several other papers around the southeast but this hedge fund attempting to purchase gannett mng enterprises better better known as digital first media has offered 1.36 billion dollars on monday for gannett saying in a letter that it can run the company more profitably via tight cost controls and consolidation of operations such as printing and administration we'll have to see what happens there but yes gannett and some of their papers they have more than 100 papers, newspapers around the country they publish, including not only the USA Today, but the Detroit Free Press, the Record in New Jersey, as I said, the Tennessee and Nashville. They also own the Arizona Republic, and I said some other papers in the Southeast Gannett. Didn't realize they were up for sale, but hey, if you're coming in talking billions, that will make people sell quickly, especially if you're in a business like newspapers, which is a rather iffy business to be in right now. Chancellor Carol Folt, who is the head of the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, plans to remove the pedestal where a now-toppled Confederate statue known as Silent Sam once stood on the main campus quad in Chapel Hill. And this Chancellor Folt, who also announced that she will step down at the end of the school year, and she's looking to get this pedestal away Of course, if you remember in our Confederate chaos, this statue at UNC was toppled over by a bunch of thugs, people who broke the law, and here we go with the university, instead of standing up and doing the right thing and honoring veterans, they're caving in to the social justice warriors and letting the mob rule. And here we go, it looks like no one's going to stop this decision to essentially She's already said she wants to put the base of the statue in storage, which is code for letting it go rot. That's what they're planning on doing for this statue placed a long time ago to have a reminder of the sacrifice of the students from that college, University of North Carolina, who fought and died in the Civil War. And now they're wanting to be forgotten about by these radicals. These radicals who tear down statues, who break the law, which North Carolina has rules against that. But hey, nobody cares about the rules when it comes to the social justice warriors. You let them have their way. That's just the way it goes now. What a sad statement. We've got to stand up, especially here in the South, to these radical, law-breaking idiots. That's exactly what they are. They are not on the side of justice. They're on the side of just raising hell for no reason and i'm against that although i like raising hell for for the right reason (laughs) hey in atlanta 
Katrina Parks pled guilty in August to conspiring to accept bribes while she was the former Atlanta Mayor Kasim Reed's deputy chief of staff. And federal prosecutors say Parks accepted thousands of dollars from a vendor in exchange for helping him secure city contract work. Well, she went to a sentencing hearing this week for this former official, but the hearing kind of went crazy because Parks collapsed to the floor as the judge sentenced her to prison. She was the sixth person charged and the fifth to plead guilty in a federal investigation into corruption at Atlanta's City Hall. Sure enough, she collapsed right there in downtown Atlanta, and she was standing to receive her sentence from the U.S. District Judge Steve Jones, and after he ordered her to spend a year and nine months in prison and and pay back $15,000 in restitution, she shook as she lay on the floor saying she couldn't breathe and collapsed, and U.S. Marshals had to clear the courtroom. But she's going to go off to jail regardless. Maybe this was a stunt, a sympathy stunt. Not sure. But Katrina Parks feigning, collapsing. I'm not sure the medical term for what she did, but it was a shocker for her that that she's got to go to jail for her part in being a, a bad girl in the city of Atlanta. We've got more headlines. Don't go anywhere. The Y'all Show will continue after this timeout. Your skin does a lot for you. It endures the cold and sun and nights when you sleep with your makeup on. Tell it you love it back during the Love Your Skin event at Ulta Beauty with brands like Philosophy, Dermalogica, and Clinique. All 50% off with daily beauty steals. Plus, licensed skin experts will give your skin the love it deserves with customized facial treatments that fit your needs and goals. Hurry in now through January 26th for a gift with purchase from brands like Mario Badescu, Peter Thomas Roth, and Murad. Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. Shaquille O'Neal here. If you battle back or hip pain or knee or shoulder pain, you don't have to tough it out. You can just turn it off with Smart Relief from Icy Hot. You just push a button and whoosh. Smart Relief sends waves of relaxing pulses that safely block pain at the nerve level. It's simple, easy to use, and it's been clinically tested to start providing immediate relief for hours, even after you turn it off. So if you're battling pain, let Icy Hot help you win that battle. Turn on Smart Relief and turn off pain. Use only as directed. Are you putting your retirement savings in a 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop. Many experts warn of a stock market crash any day now. And if it's anything like the last two crashes, you could lose 50% or more of your hard-earned savings in the Wall Street casino. Can you afford to lose half of your retirement savings again? Hey, you don't have to lose a penny because there's a better, safer way to save for retirement. And you can learn all about it in a free report. This is the report Wall Street and big banks desperately hope you never see. Why? Because this method continues to grow your money even when the market tumbles. It lets you take back control of your money and finances and it gives you penalty free access to your savings plus it beats the pants off any 401k or ira these are uncertain times so get the information you need today to guarantee your retirement security to get this free report go to bankonyourself.com right now that's bankonyourself.com bankonyourself.com
This is the Y'all Show, Talk with a Southern Accent with John Raw. Glad to be back with you. Glad you could tune us in here on this Tuesday edition. Rolling through the month of January. Can you believe it? This is the halfway point of the first month of the year 2019. 15 January. Golly, somebody slow this thing down. Also, another story here in our headlines from the state of Georgia. This is in Hall County, Gainesville. And authorities say that police have fatally shot a gunman who had taken hostages at a dermatology office in Gainesville. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation has been asked to investigate the shooting Monday morning in Gainesville, which is a common practice for officer-involved shootings in the state. News outlets reported that Gainesville police officers were dispatched to Lanier Dermatology after receiving a 911 call reporting a gunman at the office northeast of Atlanta and the gunman was holding workers and others hostage inside the office, and officers had to shoot the man when he brandished a gun as they approached him. The gunman died after being taken to a nearby hospital. His name's not been released, but at a dermatology office, a gunman taken hostages there and then fatally shot by police. Volkswagen, great news on the business front here on the Y'all Show is Volkswagen is going to build electric vehicles at its Tennessee plant, which will add 1,000 jobs in Chattanooga. Volkswagen says its factory will focus on this $800 million investment producing electric vehicles. And it's going to expand this plant just outside of this downtown Chattanooga, where the $1,000 thousand jobs will be offered as the factory kind of gears up for electric vehicle production Beginning in 2022, the factory will produce a vehicle using a modular chassis. The company has said will help build electric vehicles for the mass market. Volkswagen currently builds two vehicles in Chattanooga. I don't think those are electric vehicles. Volkswagen said it posted an annual sales record in 2018. The company has paid more than $31 billion in fines and settlements after it was caught installing software that Let's cars cheat on U.S. emissions test. Not sure if that has a big factor in their decision to add a thousand jobs in Chattanooga at their plant as they look to roll out electric vehicles in three years. Congrats for all those in the Lookout City who are Volkswagen employees or will be future Volkswagen employees. Well, golly, Sergeant, y'all know that voice, the late Jim Neighbors of Sylacauga, Alabama, who went on to be on the Andy Griffith Show, and of course, I loved him on Gomer Pyle, USMC. Well, of course, Jim Neighbors, in his adult life, primarily lived in Hawaii, and his the late actor's beachfront estate there is up for sale right now, and you too can get this property, which is called Hell Aloha. That's H-A-L-E. I guess it's pronounced Hell. could be Hale in the local dialect. Hail Aloha. Well, too bad if you want to purchase it. I, I just saw that it's actually been sold for $12 million. Sold earlier this month. And the listing agent is the one reporting this sale. The sales price is nearly $3 million below the asking price, which was just below 15 mil. Neighbors, who of course was a singer and actor, he lived at this place in Honolulu, and he moved there in 1976 after he got his fame on TV shows like Andy Griffith and Gomer Pyle. 
and he died in November of 2017 at the age of 87. Jim Neighbors. This is a two-story residence there in Honolulu, built in 1950, and it covers over 5,800 square feet, and it was renovated back in 1996. But, God, what what a tremendous price tag. And I don't know who the benefactors of Jim Neighbors' estate is. Of course, he was a homosexual. I'm not sure if he was married, if his partner or whoever is even still alive. But I don't know where his money went after in his will. But that's the state selling for $12 million in Hawaii. I don't know of a $12 million house anywhere in the entire U.S., mainland at least, or in the south, I should clear up. But in Hawaii... A $12 million sale in the books here in 2019. Hey, we told you the other day about Bonnaroo going on in Manchester, Tennessee in June. Well, guess what? There is another summertime festival in the South that we want to let you know about, but this is more of a country music celebration. And this celebration is called Rock the South. And it's going to change its location in 2019. But this time it's going to be in Coleman, The festival is leaving its usual home and heritage park in Coleman, but it's going to move two miles away to 1872 County Road 469. And it's going to expand this festival from 15 acres to about 140 acres. So a lot more options for you if you want to go to Rock the South. And I've heard about this festival, music festival, and it should be a lot lot of more options during the summer if you want to Go, of course, Coleman is pretty easy to get to just off of Interstate 65, about 45 minutes north of Birmingham. Sandwich between Birmingham and Huntsville is where Coleman is. And they had more than 65,000 people at, I think, last year's event. They're expecting that again for this event, which is set for May 31st and June 1st of 2019. As far as acts, the Information on that has not been released, but the lineup announcement will start on the 22nd of January. So just over a week from now, you'll be able to check out who all is coming to this. But it's got a lot of people who've been performing there during its seven-year history, like Eric Church, Little Big Town, Thomas Rhett, Luke Bryan, Alan Jackson's played there, Leonard Skinnerd, and a guy who has roots in Coleman, Hank Williams Jr. His mother was a native of Coleman, Alabama, and Bo Cephas has performed at Rock the South. And this this event has raised more than a half million dollars for area charities during its tenures. But moving this year two miles outside of downtown Coleman, Rock the South, late May, early June. Check it out if you want to see some good music when the summer starts. Cannot wait for the summer to start. Maybe I'll find my way there in Coleman in a couple of months. An officer in Nashville had to help wrangle a coyote from a bathroom at the Music City Center. And there's a picture of this out on social media. And sure enough, there's a coyote up on the bathroom counter where you go wash your hands at this very, very fancy building in Nashville. I think it's only been open a couple couple of years, the Music City Center. But at 1020 on Sunday night, a coyote ran past one of the security checkpoints and entered the Music City Center and went into the exhibit hall where team members were working. Well, that would be one heck of a sight. 
an officer with the Metro Police, Brenna Hosey, was not scared of this coyote and went in and helped wrangle it from downtown Music City, USA. Now, that is a story there. That's bravery. I don't think I would want to corner a coyote. And this was a big city coyote. This is sitting out in the country now. This is in downtown, lower Broadway type deal. And this coyote, I guess it was coming to Nashville to sing a song or two. But instead, it is in, I guess, trapped and heading out to the wilderness. Thanks to Metro Police Officer Brenna Hosey getting it done there on the police force of Metro. Good job there. What is that bar? Coyote Ugly? Is, is I think I'm right on that. There there was, and maybe still, is a Coyote Ugly on 2nd Avenue in Nashville. That's the bar that was made famous in a movie where people get up and dance. Good-looking bartenders jump up there and dance and kind of provocative. And I've been to that bar. I'll, I'll raise my hand and admit I've been there. I don't know if it's still open, but too bad that Wild Coyote, the real Coyote, didn't find his way to Coyote Ugly on Sunday night when he was having his tour of Music City, USA. A woman drinking wine from a Pringles can and roaming the parking lot of a Walmart has been called out, I guess for a lack of better words. She's been banned from the Wichita Falls Walmart in Texas after she reportedly spent Friday morning, riding an electric cart around the parking lot while drinking wine from a Pringles can. Now, I like Pringles, but I've never considered a Pringles can as a beverage holder. But maybe this woman is on to something here. The local paper there in Wichita Falls says the woman had been roaming the parking lot for nearly three hours before employees called police for help. And the officers found the woman in a nearby restaurant, told her she was banned from the store. Police say the woman wasn't arrested and her name was not released. And Walmart did not immediately respond to a local TV station's request for comment. But what a life, riding around in the parking lot on an electric scooter of a Walmart drinking wine from a Pringles can. That's pretty redneck, y'all. That is definitely a redneck thing. And I'm going to tell you something when we get to our sports in hour two, a little bit of a redneck thing. Our commander-in-chief pulled on Monday night. <laughs> yes, Donald Trump's got a little red in him, maybe. But we'll tell you about that. But yeah, let that one sink in for a minute. Drinking wine, I think in the morning time, I think if I read that correctly, she was asked about this in the morning hours. Already getting the, the day up and going, drinking wine from a Pringles can in Wichita Falls, not far from the Oklahoma line, by the way. And finally, to Oklahoma, Mississippi, just south of Tupelo, and a man has taken a car and rammed into a house, injuring five people in the process. And the reason? Well, he's been charged with five counts of aggravated assault. After The police there in Oklahoma say that this man intentionally rammed his car into this house when his girlfriend wouldn't leave. <laughs> Chief Tommy Ivey says that five people were sent to local hospitals after this incident and it happened at one in the morning on a Sunday morning. So, you know, if it happened at one in the morning on church day, probably not a good story, but 67 year old Willie Pulfus was ready to leave a party and grew impatient with his girlfriend 
when she wouldn't go with him. Police chief says Paulfus was found to be under the influence. Really? You've got to be kidding. Don't tell me he's drinking out of a Pringles can. And Paulfus later told police he didn't remember what he had done. But that's pretty stupid. Running into a house with a party going on because your woman lingered. I don't think that's a crime for lingering. Loitering might be. But she's at a party having a good time, man. Let her find her own way home. But it sounds like this man was under the influence. He didn't need to be driving anyway in Oklahoma. Hmm. All right. Well, that is a look at our headlines. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to turn the table and we're going to talk a little politics as we've got a lot of brand new governors holding their hand up and being sworn into office right now. Some may actually not be sworn in until the weekend, like in Tennessee. We'll tell you about some of the states that have brand new governors. We're going to hear audio from the brand new governor of the Empire State of the South, Georgia. That's after the break here on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Talk with a Southern accent. If you're talking, they will hear you every single time. Oh, we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Ever wonder why Europeans seem to speak so many languages? Maybe it's because they use Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Babbel's award-winning technology gets you speaking right away, whether you're learning Spanish, French, or German. And best of all, you'll remember what you've learned. I always thought I was bad at languages, but after using Babbel, I can tell you I was just taught the wrong way. Using Babbel's 10 to 15 minute lessons, you can be speaking confidently in your new language within weeks. I was amazed that I could start having real life conversations right away. It was so fast. Now I'm speaking Spanish. Woohoo! <laughs> no wonder Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in Europe. Try it for yourself and see why Babbel is the quick way to get conversational in a new language, like Spanish, French, or more. You can try Babbel for free. Go to Babbel.com or download the app and try it for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com, or download the app to try it for free. That's Babbel.com.
John Rawl back with you here on the Y'all Show. Talk with a southern accent as we broadcast a whole two-hour show about the South. We're glad to do it. Discuss news, politics, sports, cooking, and we have music news and lots of culture stuff. We have a lot of fun, and we just do it all here. You don't want to miss it. And if you do miss it, go to y'all.com, our official website here. And you can find archives of every show we've done. We've got about 131, 32 shows last count. So you will have plenty of goodness there. And it's all easily accessible. And it's got details of every show we've done. So you can search and you can find, hey, okay, this show back in October, man, that looked like a good one. I think I'm going to hit play and I'm going to learn more about whatever we were talking about. Probably talking a lot of football in October. Probably talking about Halloween. But yes, it's all right there, free of charge, y'all.com, the website here on this All Dixie program. On the Y'all Show, as we said, we do include politics in our discussion, and we're going to start off on the Y'all Show with some state politics. We've got President Trump coming up in hour two, as last night in Washington, D.C., the president welcomed in the Clemson Tiger football team to honor them for the 2018 National Championship. The Tigers just earned last Monday, beating Alabama at Levi Stadium in California. We've got some fun audio as the president had a good time with the Clemson football team. That is political, but that's really more sports. That's why we're going to shelve that till hour two. But right now, starting off at the end of this bottom of the first hour, we're going to talk more of the state political side of things. And Rick Scott was just governor of Florida, and he ran for Senate, and he won that. He's the new U.S. Senator for the state of Florida, but the former governor has called out the president as he's wanting to protect disaster relief funds that have been set aside for the Sunshine State because of hurricanes there. And also you've got the wildfires that have happened in California, relief funds for that. And there's been talk that perhaps the president and or other people in the administration will magically move over some of this money that was allocated for hurricanes and wildfires to go to the border barrier with Mexico. Well, Rick Scott, who's only been a U.S. senator for about a week now, he says that he does not want that to happen, and he does not want the president to take anything away from Florida's rightful place to get money. Of course, the the panhandle was pummeled during hurricane season around Panama City and such that – the senator disturbed by the possibility that President Trump is even considering using some of the $13.9 billion set aside for disaster relief. And the senator has called the president to oppose any diversion of those funds. And after talking to the president, Scott says he feels better and that the funds would not be used for the border, at least that's what he got. I found out when... Rick Scott was running for Senate that as governor of Florida, he routinely like if not every day, at least once a week was calling up president Trump. Of course, both men prior to going into politics were successful businessmen. So they had a little bit of, and and I mean like millionaire slash billionaire businessmen. So president Trump has a connection to Rick Scott in Florida, but yes, the, the two, have had a long time of talking to each other. And I guess they are are welcome to talk to each other anytime they want. In this case, 
Rick Scott says, hey, President, don't take any way, anything away from Florida in terms of money that we need to recover. We'll see where the money comes from, if it comes anywhere. Now, as we mentioned earlier in the show, there are a lot of governors that are changing hands right now. Some states, it's already happened. Monday was a big day for many southern states as they had inaugural ceremonies. We've got some going on today in Arkansas. But you also have even more coming up in a few days. Tennessee will have an inaugural ceremony for Bill Lee, the new governor, the dark horse in the volunteer state. He's being sworn in in Nashville over the weekend. In Alabama, they had a swearing in on Monday for Kay Ivey, and she becomes Alabama's second female governor, at least one who's taking over a full term as she had to step in after Governor Bentley resigned after a scandal and Kay Ivey took over the role. She was lieutenant governor, took over that role, and now she's been sworn in as the new governor in Alabama, at least for a full term, this Republican taking the office in Montgomery. Let's, let's listen. She's 74 years old. And I'll tell you, if you don't know who the first female governor of Alabama was, after we hear Kay Ivey being sworn in on the steps there in Montgomery on Monday. Enjoy this. And that I will faithfully and honestly. And that I will faithfully and honestly. Discharge the duties of office of governor. Discharge the duties of the office of governor. Upon which I'm about to enter. Upon which I'm about to enter. To the best of my ability. To the best of my ability. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations, Governor. And that was Kay Ivey, the governor of Alabama, being sworn in 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 Montgomery on Monday. Now, she's the second governor in Alabama that is a female. And there are still states out there that have never had a female governor. And Kay Ivey, actually, to honor the first female governor... She left an empty chair on the inauguration platform Monday in Montgomery. And the first female governor, do you know the answer to the question? I not only know who it was, I know where she's from, her hometown, this deceased lady. It was Lurleen Wallace, the wife of George Wallace, who, of course, himself was a governor of Alabama and went on to run for president and had a colorful story there. You ought to check his story out sometime if you never have looked up the history of George Wallace. But Lurleen Wallace was the state's first female governor a long time ago. She was from Tuscaloosa. In fact, there's a lake in Tuscaloosa County called Lurleen Wallace Lake. Or lake Lurleen Wallace may be the actual name of it in case you want to go dip your ride in the water sometime and catch a big brim, you can do it at the lake named after the first governor of first female governor of Alabama, which by the way, Tuscaloosa, in case you don't know, it one at one time it was the capital of Alabama back in the eighteen thirties, maybe for eighteen forties, and then they moved it from Tuscaloosa to Montgomery. In fact, if you go to Tuscaloosa right now, you'll still see the remains of the state capitol in downtown Tuscaloosa. Pretty cool pretty good visual if you need a good picture of old columns you can still see that alabama state house in t-town but yes k ivy 
the new governor in Alabama. Now, just across the state line in Georgia, Brian Kemp was sworn in as Georgia's 83rd governor on Monday. This was a huge race that he had with Stacey Abrams. We covered it in great detail. And he won that very contested race and became the new governor of Alabama. Of course, he was the secretary of state of Georgia prior to taking this role as governor. Now, he got this hug and a handshake from Governor Nathan Deal on his way out of office. Governor Deal, who's going to go now be a, a professor in the state of Georgia. But Brian Kemp sworn in at McCamish Pavilion on the campus of Georgia Tech on Monday afternoon. Let's hear a little bit of his speech just after he was sworn in there at Tech and get a little bit more feel of Brian Kemp as the governor of Georgia. I know there will be adversity, those that would like to tear us down. There will be difficult days and dark nights, but together we will overcome because like Coach said, it can be done. Thank you for being here. May God continue to bless this great state of Georgia. Thank you very much. Brian Kemp, the new governor of Georgia, speaking at his inaugural ceremony Monday afternoon on the campus of Georgia Tech in downtown Atlanta. And today, H. Hutchinson is being sworn in as the governor of Arkansas. He's term limited. This will be his last term there in the natural state as being that state's governor. Of course, I think at one time he was a senator, U.S. senator representing Arkansas. But that's going on today. South Carolina, they just swore in Henry McMaster last week in Columbia. Some other states have the. In fact, I've got a listing here of our southern states that had races and being people sworn in. We told you about Alabama with Kay Ivey in Arkansas. Hutchinson taking over today. He's going to have his final term in office. Now in Georgia, we told you about Brian Kemp. Moving on to other southern states. Maryland, Larry Hogan, Republican. Hard to believe you've got a Republican. And he was reelected back during the campaign. And he'll have his final term coming up here. I think they have a, a incumbent limit in Maryland, but I'm not totally sure of that. Also in the South, you have Oklahoma, Kevin Stitt, the new governor, as Mary Fallon was term limited, and Stitt now the new governor taking over in Oklahoma. We told you about South Carolina's McMaster, Tennessee, Bill Haslam term limited, Bill Lee being sworn in this weekend, Greg Abbott, an incumbent, reelected in Austin. And so he will continue on. And that's just a look at the Southern governors. A lot of states like Mississippi are going to have their governor's election this summer. Like I think it's in June and other Southern states don't necessarily follow the even year model for electing governors. But yeah, a little spotlight on some of our governors in the South here as they won their gubernatorial elections in 2018 and now being sworn in some for the first time, some, are incumbents that get that extra term. And again, it's a state-by-state thing, and not all states are term-limited. So depending on where you live, you may have a governor for a couple more years. That is our Y'all Political Spotlight here on this Tuesday edition. Hope you enjoyed that, and congrats to all the new governors and those who've been reelected and sworn in as well for a second term. 
Well, that will conclude this hour. We'll be right, right back in hour two with plenty of college football talk. We'll talk about Clemson's visit to the White House Monday evening. Plus, we'll have the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue dropping by for his delicious report. And we'll see what else is up his old sleeve. Matt Herman's our special guest in hour two. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. We'll be right back. Your skin does a lot for you. It endures the cold and sun and nights when you sleep with your makeup on. Tell it you love it back during the Love Your Skin event at Ulta Beauty with brands like Philosophy, Dermalogica, and Clinique. All 50% off with Daily Beauty Steals. Plus, licensed skin experts will give your skin the love it deserves with customized facial treatments that fit your needs and goals. Hurry in now through January 26th for a gift with purchase from brands like Mario Badescu, Peter Thomas Roth, and Murad. Ulta Beauty. The possibilities are beautiful. Hey, this is Shaq. When I was playing ball, our team doctors helped me overcome pain with something called TENS therapy. And Icy Hot Smart Relief is that same kind of therapy. You just push a button and whoosh. Smart Relief sends waves of relaxing pulses that immediately start blocking pain. Back, hip, knee, or shoulder pain. Even works for hours after you turn it off. Man, this Smart Relief so smart, they should call it Shaq Relief. Ooh, I like that one. Somebody write that down for me. Turn on Smart Relief and turn off pain. Get my lawyer on the phone. You need to patent that. Use only as directed. It's the All Show, Hour 2, Tuesday edition with the General John Rawl. Glad to have you back here as we talk about the South and all the great things. We've got the Barrister of Bodacious Barbecue coming up in just a few minutes. Always fun to talk to Matt Hermans. Don't know what that old boy's got up his sleeve today, but I guarantee you it'll be something amazing. Our website, y'all.com. Our text line is 803-816-1170. We'd love to get your input here on the All Southern Show. Here on the show, we start Hour 2 off with our sports lanyap. And we're going to go to Texas to start off today's lanyap. Texas on an NBA front, something we don't spend a whole lot of time. But yeah, NBA going off big time. And first off, in San Antonio on Monday night... Tony Parker returned to San Antonio, of course, for a long time. He was a member of the San Antonio Spurs. But this year, he's playing for the Charlotte Hornets. And the Hornets played the Spurs on Monday evening at AT AT&T Center. And the Spurs crowd came out to support their longtime player, a guy who helped them win some NBA championships. The crowd even had Tony, Tony Chance going on and so it was a nice gesture for this native of france coming back to san antonio for the hornets one and only appearance in the regular season as they welcomed in tony parker great player an nba mvp finals mvp at one time but guess what the hornets defeated the spurs by 15 points 108 93 so they really did roll out the red carpet for tony parker letting his team come in and win just to the east of northeast technically of san antonio on monday night the houston rockets were playing the memphis grizzlies and james harden set a rockets record with 36 
first half points. 36 points in the first half alone for this sharpshooter for the Houston Rockets. And he overcame a horrible three-point shooting deal that he had on Sunday in a road loss to the Orlando Magic. And Harden caught fire against Memphis and helped them get a victory 112-94. Taking a quick look at your NBA standings on the Eastern Conference, the Raptors and Bucks are the leaders of the Eastern Conference. Southern teams that are in the mix include the Miami Heat. They're the sixth seed. If the if the season ended today, Miami would make the playoffs at six. And those Charlotte Hornets are at eight in the Eastern Conference. Atlanta struggling. They're 13 and 30 overall right now. Orlando just missing the cut. They're 19 and 24 overall. On the Western Conference side of things, the Nuggets of Denver are tied with Golden State with 29 wins on the season thus far. And we're almost to the halfway point, I think, if uh, maybe right at halfway point of the NBA season. So the Nuggets and Warriors doing really good. The Thunder are just behind them as well as the Rockets. Both of those teams right around the mid-20s in their win total. San Antonio is 25-20, and 20, and they would make the playoffs if the season were to end today. The Pelicans are having a rough season. They're 21-23. and 23. The Dallas Mavericks are 20 and 23, and those Grizzlies from Memphis, 19 and 24 in the NBA standings. Moving over to the college basketball front, we had a big win by Syracuse Monday night as they went into Cameron Indoor Stadium in Durham, North Carolina, and they defeated the number one Duke Blue Devils in overtime, 95 91. And this was something that doesn't happen very often to Duke. Their first loss at home as the nation's top-ranked team since all the way back in 2006. And they had been 104-0, and 104-0 and at Cameron Indoor Stadium as the number one-ranked team against everyone other than rival North Carolina, according to the statisticians out there. But Syracuse gets the big OT win. I don't know what's going on with Syracuse. As you may know, just a few days ago, they lost in the Carrier Dome to Georgia Tech. And then now they go south in ACC play against Duke and pull off a huge win. Well, it looks like we know a little bit more about the developing situation with Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray. He's entered his name in the NFL draft, not Major League Baseball, NFL draft. But the Oakland A's can still negotiate with the Heisman Trophy winner if they choose to do so. He announced his decision Monday on Twitter, and he's, of course, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and he's given himself the option to choose the NFL over Major League Baseball, for which he has a contract with the Oakland Athletics that includes a $4.66 million signing bonus. A source says that Murray actually submitted the paperwork to go into the NFL draft on Friday. The A.E. selected Kyler Murray with the ninth pick in the 2018 MLB draft, and they understood and supported his decision to enter the NFL draft, according to sources. The choice to enter the NFL draft does not preclude Murray from choosing baseball, but it does put additional pressure on Oakland to offer Murray a major league contract with additional money in hopes of dissuading the outfield prospect from pursuing a football career. Hey, aren't you ready to see another Bo Jackson? Aren't you ready to see another Deion Sanders have a guy play both sports? I don't know why he couldn't. I think he would be great. Now, Tim Tebow's playing both sports, but he's not doing both at the same time like the Bo Jacksons and Deion primetime did back in the day. 
I would love to see Murray play a little football and a little baseball. I think that would be great for the sport. Boy, it would make him a lot more marketable as well. You still see people in awe over what Bo Jackson did on the diamond as well as the gridiron. Speaking of blasts from the past, the Tennessee Vols are bringing back a blast from the past. The guy that helped steer them to the 1998 National Championship is coming home. T. Martin is returning to the University of Tennessee, and he's been the former offensive coordinator at the University of Southern California. And now Martin has reached an agreement with Coach Jeremy Pruitt to join the Vols offensive staff. And we don't know exactly what his title is going to be, but we're expecting to see that come out today. And I think he's been fired at USC, so he's going to be paid by USC in Los Angeles for the next two years. So pretty good deal for T. Martin. And he chose to return to Tennessee after having a couple of opportunities, including roles at Alabama, Auburn, Louisville, Maryland, and the Vanderbilt Commodores. T. Martin, now aged 40, had been at USC since 2012 when he went there under Lane Kiffin. But T. Martin coming back to Tennessee, coming back to Big Orange Country, as some kind of offensive coach, perhaps that's why his existing contract with USC may keep him from a, maybe the same exact title in Knoxville. That's why they are a little sketchy on what role he will play. But it doesn't matter. He'll be back in the fold, and and it will be good from a Tennessee standpoint, a program that's definitely been taking it on the chin since T. Martin left. They haven't come close to a national championship, at least in the last 15 years, I don't think. And really going all the way back to that big win over Florida State in 1999 when that game happened. I think it was January 1st, 1999, when Tennessee won the first BCS National Championship. Remember that? Here's another blast from the past, going back to Notre Dame mid-1990s. Remember Autry Denson? Autry Denson is the leading rusher in Notre Dame football history. With all the greats out there, Autry Denson who played at a time where Notre Dame football wasn't even that big of a deal, the mid-1990s. And a school in Charleston, South Carolina, known as the Charleston Southern Buccaneers, FCS program in the Big South Conference. Charleston Southern has now hired Autry Denson as its head coach. And he had been an assistant at his alma mater, Notre Dame, for the last few years. And he helped coach the fighting Irish running backs the last four years. And he's going to be introduced tomorrow at the Charleston Southern Campus in North Charleston, South Carolina. Autry Denson, now 42 years old, he set Notre Dame's career rushing record with over 4,000 yards along with 43 touchdowns. And he played in the NFL a little bit, didn't do all that well, was there just a short time. But he's going to go to Charleston Southern and replace Mark Tucker, who resigned following two seasons leading the Buccaneers of the Big South Conference. But Autry Denson, for all you Irish fans out there, heading to Charleston. A team also in the Palmetto State was celebrated Monday night in Washington, D.C. Dabo Sweeney and the National Championship Clemson Tigers went to the White House where they were invited by President Trump to come hang out. And Clemson went up there, had a good day, went around and and toured some of the landmarks of Washington, D.C., including the Lincoln Memorial, and had a lot of fun But then they went to the White House Monday evening, and because of the government shutdown, they've had to do things a little different. And the staff that cooks meals at the White House, a lot of them are not working because of the government 
shut down. So President Trump decided to pay out of his own pocket to feed all of these players. And what did President Trump at the White House feed the more than 100 Clemson football players Monday night after they got back from their 44-16 win over Alabama in the national championship the week before? Well, he gave them a smorgasbord of fast food. And these players who had the food in the East Room were served silver trays that held stacks of wrapped hamburgers from Wendy's and boxed hamburgers from McDonald's, including Big Macs. And the White House had paper cups bearing the presidential seal that held French fries available for all of the players. They even had pizza out there. So it was a hamburger and pizza party at the White House for a bunch of football players from Clemson University. And they had a great time. President Trump had a great time. In fact, let's listen to a brief portion of President Trump's comments to the Clemson team last night at the White House, talking about the reasoning why he had this fast food available for them. So thank you all. We had a little something different. You know, we had uh, to make a decision. We could have seen you in about two months, and I know a lot of you are off to all sorts of camps, and they're all checking you out. You're going to be wealthy as hell in some cases. In other cases... (laughs) In other cases, you're going to be coming back and you're going to have another great year. I don't know if you can ever do 15 and 0. I hear that's the first time, right? Yes, 15 sir. and 0. Yes, sir. Has that ever happened before? I don't think so. So I don't know, but you'll do as good, right? You'll do as good. But so I had a choice. Do we have no food for you? Because we have a shutdown. Or do we give you some little quick salads that the first lady will make along with, along with the second lady? They'll make some salads. And I said, you guys aren't into salads. Or do I go out, Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott, do I go out and send out for about 1,000 hamburgers, Big Macs? <laughs> so we actually did. We bought 1,000 Burger King, all American companies, Burger King, Wendy's, and McDonald's. We have Big Macs. We have Quarter Pounders with cheese. We have everything that I like that you like. <laughs> and I know no matter what we did, there's nothing you can have that's better than that, right? <laughs> And so we ordered. We literally have, and I don't know, have they started uh, eating and devouring? Have I wanted to see. So it was piled up a mile high. I just wanted to see what was left. I saw it at the beginning. How much is left back there? How much? They go, not much. (laughs) President Donald Trump at the White House Monday evening as the Clemson Tigers were honored for their 2018 national championship. And, of course, the second time in only three years that the Clemson Tigers and Dabo Sweeney have ventured off to the White House to be honored for a national championship job. Well done. And I'm sorry I didn't make the trip, fellas. I would have loved to have seen a thousand Big Macs and Whoppers or whatever else they had there on display. Of course, I'm on a diet right now. Those Tigers, they also are worried about their health, but they just won a national championship President Trump, you were absolutely right. Let them splurge. Let them them eat like kids, at least now that the season's over with. They deserve it. This is the Y'all Show. You deserve the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, and you're going to get him after the break. Matt Hermans is going to be on, and we're going to talk barbecue goodness. Don't miss it. This is the Y'all Show. Your skin does a lot for you. It endures the cold and sun and nights when you sleep with your makeup on. Tell it you love it back during the Love Your Skin event at Ulta Beauty with brands like Philosophy, Dermalogica, and Clinique. All 50% off with Daily Beauty Steals. 
Plus, licensed skin experts will give your skin the love it deserves with customized facial treatments that fit your needs and goals. Hurry in now through January 26th for a gift with purchase from brands like Mario Badescu, Peter Thomas Roth, and Murad. Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful. Shaquille O'Neal here. If you battle back or hip pain or knee or shoulder pain, you don't have to tough it out. You can just turn it off with Smart Relief from Icy Hot. You just push a button and whoosh. Smart Relief sends waves of relaxing pulses that safely block pain at the nerve level. It's simple, easy to use, and it's been clinically tested to start providing immediate relief for hours, even after you turn it off. So if you're battling pain, let Icy Hot help you win that battle. Turn on Smart Relief and turn off pain. Use only as directed. Are you putting your retirement savings in a 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop. Many experts warn of a stock market crash any day now. And if it's anything like the last two crashes, you could lose 50% or more of your hard-earned savings in the Wall Street casino. Can you afford to lose half of your retirement savings again? Hey, you don't have to lose a penny because there's a better, safer way to save for retirement. And you can learn all about it in a free report. This is the report Wall Street and big banks desperately hope you never see. Why? Because this method continues to grow your money even when the market tumbles. It lets you take back control of your money and finances and it gives you penalty free access to your savings plus it beats the pants off any 401k or ira these are uncertain times so get the information you need today to guarantee your retirement security to get this free report go to bankonyourself.com right now that's bankonyourself.com bankonyourself.com We got 24 tall boys on the chill. Yeah, 14 of them's mine. A little Marshall Tucker on the radio. You know, we just catch a little groove before the show. We ain't playing nothing slow at the parking lot party. A tailgate buzz just a sipping on suds ain't ever too The Tuesday Y'all continues. Welcome back to the All Southern Program with your host, John Rawl, y'all.com, the website. And here each Tuesday, we're lucky to bring on the roving reporter, the roving bovine, the roving, I guess you could call him the roving uh, fowl reporter. And I'm sure there's other meats out there that I could use a more fancy term for. Matt Hearman's Barrister of Bodacious Barbecue back with us. Hello, roving reporter. Porcine. I think that's the third one you were thinking of. Bovine, porcine. Porcine, okay. Uh, with, yeah, that's the old, the I, old pig. I, I, the easy one I left out. I could have said equine. I don't think you've ever barbecued horse before, have you? <laughs> no, I can't say that I have. Okay. Uh, and if I've eaten it, I didn't know it. <laughs> Poor sign. There's one for the kids to learn in school. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I am uh, still trying to get over that national championship game, but other than that, I'm I'm hanging in there. Hey, we've got basketball going on right now. Hey, how about the Texas Tech Red Raiders getting a big win over the weekend? Yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty 
pretty good season so far. I got the one loss against Duke. And other than that, all wins. Yeah. But Jeff, a big win against Texas the first time since 1996. God, in, in either Lubbock or Austin? Oh, no. Uh, no, just in Austin. Oh, okay. uh, Texas, yeah, they've beaten the Longhorns multiple times in Lubbock. But in Austin, it's been a drought since 96. I didn't even – I didn't know it had been that long, but they've had the – They've had the spell, but it's the, the curse is broken uh, of course, down in Austin. Bobby Knight was leading that program some years ago, and I, I guess he didn't win in Austin when he was coaching the Red Raiders. So good win there. Good right. win for Louisville. They got a big win in Chapel Hill over the weekend, beating the North Carolina Tar Heels, some other big Absolutely. big upsets and such. So college basketball right. going on. I don't know how well does grilling go with college basketball, Barrister. Well, I, you don't. Well, I will be. I will admittedly say that I am not from Kentucky or North Carolina or a state uh, that kind of has basketball at the top of the, the pyramid for a lot of people. So I'm unaware of basketball tailgating or the culinary traditions that follow college basketball like that. But you know, anything, uh, any any chance to go ahead and get something on the on the grill either before the game or maybe uh maybe after the game to celebrate a win i mean i support it i yeah. support it 100 i'm not aware of any yeah. even the north carolinas and kentuckys of the world i'm not aware of any of those schools that kind of get into the tailgating with the grilling out and such before a hoops game maybe i'm yeah. missing maybe i'm missing out but i'm not aware of that at least i am not either it's pretty chilly too i would say i mean it's not exactly tailgate weather in a lot of places yeah well I think it's somebody still uh, out of all the more than three hundred programs that play Division One college basketball. You think somebody would take the mantle and become the party tailgate pregame type deal, kind of rivaling being a rivalry yeah. to college football? Yeah, you're right. You think maybe that would happen? Although, you know, one of the cool things about the different sports is that there's just kind of different. Uh, culture and tradition that surrounds each one base college baseball definitely has a kind of a party uh tailgate kind of atmosphere in a lot of the southern states and uh football obviously basketball just it's a different kind of culture surrounding basketball i would say which is uh nothing wrong with that yeah i need to step up the game hoops fans make it happen and i would expect uh if somebody's going to take that mantle of becoming the next tailgating mecca for college basketball it's probably going to be some crazy team from a conference like the horizon league or the missouri valley or something like that it won't be one of your power five schools so it yeah yeah let's see that happening y'all hey matt i wanted to ask you uh, we normally focus on the south here of course that's what why why we call the show the y'all show duh, do it? duh but i i don't know if you caught any of my show last week after we returned from the holiday hiatus I went on a little multi-state voyage with my son over Christmas and New Year's, and we went through a lot of states that aren't in the South. And Matt, I will have to confess here to you, this is my confessional, I did not have any barbecue the entire time I was in places like the Panhandle of Texas, also New Mexico, Colorado, Kansas, and also in Colorado, did uh, Utah, that's another state I went into. Right. Did I miss out on something? Well, uh, I, you know, I have to be, uh, I have to be full, uh, fully, you know, honest here. I, I don't consider 
I wouldn't consider any state that's not in the South to be a barbecue <laughs> uh, a headquarters or anything at all. So my gut would tell uh, – I gut would say no. You probably didn't miss anything because I, I fully believe. I know you do too. I fully buy into the idea that uh, you know we're in different regions of this country. Uh, so long as those regional cultures still exist, uh, you want to experience what they do uh, do best and what they're known for. And uh, you know, I'm sure there is barbecue in that neck of the woods. I've never had any myself either. But uh, no, I don't think you. Uh, there's no, you don't really hear a whole lot of Western barbecue, and I think that's probably, uh, you know, probably for a reason, right? So uh, I'm sure there's all kinds of other tasty treats that y'all enjoyed in your Western adventure. Isn't that right? Well, one place we went to, and I'm going to ask you what you, you think of this, because they, they obviously are doing something right. To my knowledge, they're nowhere in the South, but we went in Phoenix, Arizona. We went to an In-N-Out hamburger joint. Have you ever been to an In-N-Out uh, I have been to an in and out I'm trying to remember. Well, I can't think of where now, but yes, I have. You're not aware of those in the South, are you? You know, I, I wouldn't. I don't think so. I could be wrong. They could have moved in somewhere, okay. and but uh, I, I am not aware. No. Well, they're from California. That's where they're based. Right. And they're a big yes. deal. You actually, if you ever listen to some of your late night talk shows based in California, you'll hear them from time to time reference in and out burgers and i made my first stop at an in and out and I, their menu is pretty simple matt they have it's pretty simple yeah hamburgers french fries and then a, either drinks or, or ice cream that's that's pretty much it you don't have chicken yep. you don't have chicken nuggets if you don't like burgers it's not the place to go no it's a double or a single right i mean that's pretty much I what think, it is i think i'm right on that so i wanted to ask yep. you they, I guess in and out doesn't need any advice coming from Dixie, but <laughs> when you start a restaurant, is it sometimes better to just do like in and out and have the the most elementary menu you could possibly have and kind of focus in on what your wheelhouse is? I think one hundred percent. I agree with that. You probably uh, laugh at me, but I I do. Uh, I like the idea of. Uh, a smaller menu, uh, focusing on doing uh, a few things very, very well, as opposed to doing a lot of things, you know, edibly well. Yeah, I do like the, you know, the trend in the last few years. It's not even a trend now. I think it's kind of, kind of moved into the mainstream. But the idea of uh, local uh, ingredients and, and local meat and local uh, produce, uh, kind of bring those together in kind of a specifically regional. Uh, way to produce specifically regional dishes at places uh, is great. And I think uh, I always get excited, to be honest with you. I, I get excited when I go into a – I like to eat at local places. Um, I like to support the small businesses and the local places whenever I go at different places. I feel like that's when you get a good taste of, of where you're at as opposed to, to larger uh, kind of corporate chains personally. But I always get excited when I go into a place and they've got – and in and out is, is a different story. I'm not uh, I'm not necessarily endorsing in and out burger, but generally, yeah, the idea whenever I see three, four things on a menu, I think, you know, I know the kitchen back there, the chef who's made the, uh, created the menu, I think is able to focus on those three or four things. Um, and sometimes, honestly, look, some people have a difficult uh, time trying to figure out what to eat. Sometimes it makes it a heck of a lot easier 
uh, get somebody to try something they may not usually try and they may like it. So I'm a big fan of the small menu, um, personally. Absolutely. Well, you and I both like our food and we like our food choices and we not always want to eat at home. So we want to go out and experience right. new places. Well, guess what? The food industry, if you're a restauranteur, it has one of the highest mortality rates of the yeah. business, at least. They just oftentimes don't survive. And right. maybe some of that failure comes because they're trying to do too many things and they're not doing any one thing really well. And the one thing Cook in and out does is they cook up fantastic burgers, although a little salty, in my opinion. The burger I had, a little too much salt, which that's another question I want to fire your way is how much salt to use when grilling. But I just I wanted to ask from a barbecue standpoint, do you have a problem if barbecue restaurants have small menus and even getting more into the subcategory there? What if a barbecue restaurant only has, let's say, pulled pork? They don't offer ribs and or other types of barbecue selections, I guess, like yeah. uh, beef tips yeah. or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, well, I'm all about the... Uh I'm all about the tradition of the place. So if you go to a, a, a joint that's, uh, and there are places like this, we've kind of talked about some of them, but if you go into a place that's, look, they're known for whole hog and they chop whole hog and that's what you get. Um, I like that. I mean, that, that's something uh, that, that, that is traditional for them. That's something they focus on as a specialty. I, I don't mind that a bit. There's some places uh, where you know you're going to go get ribs. There's some places you know you're in, in Texas and other places, you're just going to get beef and you're not going to mess around with anything else. I like that. I think sometimes now, I do also, and I hate to play both sides of the point here, I like when barbecue is used in different ways as well. For instance, we've, we've talked about Memphis obviously before, and there's they're continuously figuring out different places to put pork, uh, which is uh, on nachos and in egg rolls and on burgers and I like that too. I like the taking one particular thing that you do very, very well, which may be pork or maybe ribs, maybe beef, uh, and using that in multiple different applications. I like that. But, uh, but to go back to kind of your original point as well, yeah, I think sometimes the temptation to diversify the menu can lead to, you know, things that aren't maybe not as good or maybe not within the strength or the strike zone of what a particular place does well. So, if I know a place is, is pulled pork and that's it, I'm getting pulled pork. I'm not looking for anything else. Um, so I do, I think traditions like that, I do like that. I support that. I think that should, uh, I got no problem with that. You shouldn't show up in, uh, at a uh, catfish place and ask for a uh, red snapper or you shouldn't, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, don't, don't, don't show up at a whole hog barbecue joint and ask for, uh, uh, you know, beef ribs or something. No, just go with, go with what they do well. Open your mouth, stick it in. You're gonna like it, uh, and maybe you uh, maybe you uh, figure out you like something more than you, you thought you did. Matt, I, I think what I'm picking up from our conversation today is that you are against diversity. Did I hear that right? <laughs> I don't think uh, I, I can't. You can't say that. So no, I am uh, I am absolutely pro diversity, uh, just uh, in every way possible. Absolutely, put me on the record for that. I think that's what you got to do. Yeah, but not in a restaurant. You want restaurants no. to not be so diverse in their food choices. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I think I think focusing on I, I think sm- focusing on a a uh, logically derived strike zone of food that you want to make wonderful 
a lot of times is a lot better than offering a little something for everybody. Uh-huh. Yes, I do believe that. All right. right. Words of the prophetic Matt Hearman's barrister of Bodacious Barbecue here on the Y'all Show on this Tuesday edition. We're going to go to a little timeout. Think about diversity. Think about diversifying our menu. But again, a good idea when you're having a restaurant to maybe keep it a little simple, y'all. When we come back, I just talked to Matt about salt. I want to find out from him how much is too much when it comes to sodium chloride. This is the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Talk with a Southern accent. Killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so... Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it, too. I'm not saying that Matt's going to be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he going to know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome back to the Y'all Show final segment on this Tuesday, 15th of January, 2019. Glad to have you as we broadcast on great stations around the Southeast with our message about the South. And one of the reasons this region is so incredible is our food and the way we cook and all of the great restaurants offered the styles of food. And we have the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue join us here on Tuesdays to talk about that. Matt Herman's back with us here. And Matt, we were talking in the previous segment about a chain in the, on the West Coast called In-N-Out. In my opinion, at least the burger I had in Phoenix, a little bit too much salt. Salt, tell me if you have this effect. When I have too much salt, I just don't feel right. I feel a little jittery. Is, is that me or is that just standard practice if you have a little overdose of salt? Well, I think um, I think salt affects different people differently. I'm sure if you've got some uh, a doctor or something listen to us, they're probably thinking we're we're morons. But <laughs> I think uh, I think salt does affect people differently. Some people, you know, some people it'll it'll make uh, make swell up and uh-huh. you know you gotta go to the bathroom or you retain water. Some people just gives you that dry, sticky mouth, and you got you want something. Uh, you want just to chug a bottle of liquid. You want to jump into a swimming pool and drink the whole thing. I mean, it. Yeah, I'll put it this way: we all know, you know, kind of, kind of what that feeling is with something's too salty and you've had too much salt. Whether it makes you jittery or makes you feel weird, you can kind of tell if you've had something that's got too much salt in it. I think, no matter what. Well, that's what I'm going to ask you. When you are the grill master and you're out there cooking, what is your 
usage of salt amount? Or do yeah, you do you yeah. have do you have a standard that you apply? Well, I will give you this standard. This is what I use, and it sounds fairly simplistic, but it it works. So it's a thickness measure, right? It's a it's a it's a measure of thickness. Now I know what you're talking about, and I'll start here. I know what you're talking about when you say the In and Out Burger is pretty salty. I remember that myself, and I remember. The, the meat uh, being really thin, uh, they you know you can get a double, or I think maybe you can even get a triple meat, but they're they're pretty it's thin patties, uh, but pretty salty as well. I, I think I remember being able to actually see the salt on the patty. So the the rule the rule of thumb, grilling or barbecue, I would say, is the thicker the meat, the more salt you can get away with, and honestly, the more salt you're going to need. Uh, to flavor uh, the meat. So, for instance, if you're going to cook a, some people like different kind of burgers. You know, some people like the thick, fat burger that's got a little pink in the middle and it's juicy. And some people swear by the the thin kind of griddle style burgers that you would get at a, uh, you know, I guess In and Out or a Steak and Shake or something like even a Water Burger. That's a very thin patty. So the rule of thumb would be the thinner the meat, the less salt you've got to use because you've got the less surface area to meat ratio uh so you can go a little easier on the salt because you know you got a thin piece of meat you don't have a bunch of meat you got a lot of salt obviously you're just going to be tasting a mouthful of salt now on the other the other side of that coin i think is even worse and you may i don't know how you feel about this john but uh the worst situation is almost having meat that's under season yeah you don't want something too salty but you but a piece of meat particularly a hamburger or we talk about ribs and barbecue here in a second. We talk about grilling. Uh, hamburger that's bland that doesn't have any salt is 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 just bad. It's just awful. Nobody wants that. Uh, you know that that taste. You got to have the salt to bring out that that beefy flavor. So if you've got a thicker piece of thicker burger, and I tend to be kind of one of these folks who likes a big fat burger, a little pink in the middle and uh, juicy as opposed to the thinner burgers. That's kind of somebody's uh, prerogative on that deal. But, uh, you know, I like a little more salt, a little more pepper, whatever seasoning I'm using, because I like a fatter burger, and you need that flavoring to kind of cut through the thickness of the meat. But I would say as far as grilling goes, but it holds true in barbecue as well. Of course, we're talking about barbecue. We're talking about low, slow, uh, larger pieces of meat, indirect cooking as opposed to grilling, which is indirect, which, which is absolutely direct heat to a piece of meat. So, same thing. If you're going to do ribs, you got a certain amount of rub, which of course has salt in it. All rubs are going to have salt in it, um, as opposed to a pork butt or a brisket. You can almost not, I say almost, it's about impossible to over-season it, a big old pork shoulder or a brisket. You can just layer on the salt and, and, and rub as much as you can possibly get on there because you're dealing with 10 pounds of meat. And that bark is going to be used to kind of season the inside of the meat when you mix it up, particularly with the pork shoulder. But you don't want to do that on ribs. You can pile up, kind of goes with the thin thickness rule with burgers. If you pile up too much rub and too much salt on ribs, that's a thinner piece of meat. It's not thin, but it's thinner than a pork butt or a brisket. That can be inedible. It can be too salty on that one as well. So you've really got to tailor uh, the amount of salt that you use, which is a very, very good, good point that you brought up here today. So thickness is the key. The thicker the meat, the more salt, the more seasoning you can use. The thinner the meat, you got to be real careful or you're going to have that salt bomb that you had in your mouth uh, at in and out <laughs> Do you start applying the uh, sauce to when you're grilling a barbecue 
a pig, do you do that from the very beginning or is there a certain point after it cooks a little bit, you apply it? No, no. If you're talking barbecue sauce, uh, absolutely not. I think, um, no, no, you, you want to, you want to add any type of sauce you want to add to it. I would add at the end. Oh, um, you don't, the, the longer, the longer you're going now, there's such thing as a mop, which is a little bit different. I think we could shoot. We could spend a whole uh, episode talking about mop versus sauce, what the difference is, but, uh, no, I would not, I would not put sauce onto a piece of uh, a meat that you're smoking for barbecue ever during the smoke at okay. all. Never. Okay. All right. See, that shows my ignorance here. So when you're smoking a barbecue, <laughs> a pig, you don't apply sauces until you're done smoking. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So it depends if you're doing, let's say you're doing a, a, a pork shoulder. We'll just use that. That's a perfect example. No, you would never, you would never sauce it. You can rub it, put seasoning on it or, or no seasoning or whatever your method calls for. Uh, but no, never put sauce on it during the smoke. You're talking about an eight, 10, 12 hour smoke on a lot of these pork shoulders and all that sauce is going to do. First of all, it's going to block, block the meat from getting that smoke penetration. Uh, but it's also going to turn into a, 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 a nasty kind of like caramelized mess that has too much smoke and, turns into a sticky nasty you don't you don't want to do that that that's not that does not go hand in hand with with a long smoke you want to add your sauce at the end now ribs people sometimes if you want a wet rib or if you want to uh, particular methods of cooking ribs after when you're about done in other words when you when you've already gone through say a, a rack of ribs the five hour smoke on average if you get you know four and a half hours in and the ribs are basically done some people will put on sauce and kind of let it kind of bake onto it and sit there at the end of the cook, and that'll just kind of create a glaze over the ribs. But you don't want to do it for too long. You just want to heat it enough to where it kind of uh, coats the rib. But that's at the very end of the cook. That's a very specific method. Um, so hopefully that's uh, hopefully that makes a bit of sense. It does, and that's why we have you on the Y'all Show. We're talking with Matt Herman's barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, and he knows the in and out. Speaking of in and out, the in and outs of grilling, man, oh. does he know. How about Very that? Very nice. Very nice. That's why you're a professional. Uh, I don't know if I'm a professional or not, but I, <laughs> I need to switch careers. I think I'm ready to start into the grilling thing. I need to get me a smoker and all that what what where do you what, what do you recommend i know you we're not going to endorse a specific line unless they give you a lot of money for it uh right. if if you're a novice like me you're like i think i want to give this Herman's guy run for the money and start grilling what would you recommend for an elementary a baby kit for example training wheels smoker what do you suggest i wouldn't spend a whole heck of a lot of money on a on a smoker just getting started honestly um kind of like what we've discussed before, but I know every episode can be somebody's first. Basically, the cooking method is going to be the same no matter if you spend, uh, you know, dollars eight, $10,000 on a uh, side box smoker with wheels like uh, somebody like Myron Mixon pulls around in competition. The cooking method is the same, essentially, or if you buy, a, you know, a $150 barrel smoker with a with a pan of water that, that separates the meat up top from the from the, uh, the coal and the wood down at the bottom. What you're doing is you're cooking at a low temperature indirectly for a long period of time with charcoal and wood. That is the definition of barbecue anyway. So the point is a fancy smoker and a real basic smoker 
you can kind of get similar results off of it. So I would not, I wouldn't spend any more than I had to. There are a number, and again, we're not endorsing any particular product, but there are a number of barrel type smokers. When I say barrel type smoker, uh, it looks like a steel drum, like a like an oil barrel, uh, similar uh, that shape, which is basically meat at the top, uh, a separator in the middle to disperse the heat, and then a place to put the, the coal and wood at the bottom, and that gives you your indirect cooking method. So I'd probably start off with one of those. If you can master a, if you can get barbecue down uh, on a barrel smoker like that, you can cook it on anything. It's all about heat. It's all about heat. It's all about indirect. It's all about maintaining the proper temperature, getting the right amount of charcoal, the right amount of wood, uh, the right rub, the right method, all that stuff. You can master all of that on a $150 barrel smoker just as in on a $10,000 uh, tow behind the, the truck uh, side box, uh, big burner, they call it, yeah. On those barrel smokers, the time that you're talking about cooking, is it the same as the $10,000 brand that you're mentioning? Well, as far as cooking on it, well, the, the so so the method is the same. The, the concept is the same. The idea is the same. Now, I'm not saying you don't get anything for your money when you spend more and more money on these more expensive smokers. Um, you know, some of them are insulated better. They'll hold the heat for longer. Some of them you can adjust your temperature a little bit easier because it does have that insulation and airflow uh, regulation that's very, very precise. But at the end of the day, like I say, you can if you cook it, you can cook for a long period of time at 250 indirectly on any type of cooker. You may just have to do a little bit more work with it. But uh, like I say, you can do it on a on a cheap barrel smoker. You can certainly do it on a ten thousand dollar cooker. The concept's the same. There's no magic. There's no magic uh, method. It's the same. It's indirect heat, wood and charcoal smoke. And it's low temperature for a long period of time. It's the same concept uh, that you can do, absolutely. All right. Matt, before we get out of here with you, I'm getting a note here, and it says that Pepper's feelings are, are hurt. We've been talking about salt, and <laughs> Pepper feels left out. So we've got to bring oh. up Pepper. What is your theory on using Pepper when cooking barbecue and items like that how much is too much when it comes to pepper yeah yeah i think it has to do with meat and uh and kind of the style that you're going for you know we've talked about different types of barbecue styles from uh texas all the way to to uh, virginia and north carolina there's all kinds of different ways to do it i think pepper pepper is something you got to be careful with um it's it is essentially required, in my opinion, on beef brisket. You've got to use salt and pepper because of the, uh, you want that fat to have that creamy salt and pepper flavor. It just goes really well with beef. I think that would go for anything. If you eat a burger, a lot of people like salt and pepper on a burger. I happen to like salt and pepper on a burger on a steak. Uh, if you've got a nice piece of meat, there's really nothing, nothing more. You, there's nothing better than just some, uh, some uh, salt and pepper on a great piece of meat for a steak. Most people would agree with that as well. So beef, beef and pepper are buddies. Uh, pork and pepper can be friends as well. A little bit different. Uh, I would not go, for instance, my rib rub, and I think most people you would talk to who, who do a lot of barbecue, you don't add a ton of pepper to a rib rub because it's a pork is a sweeter, milder kind of meat that you want to bring out kind of a different type of flavor profile 
even if you're doing a Memphis style dry rub, which is a uh, not a sweet variety of ribs, pretty much entirely savory, you don't use a lot of pepper. You use more paprika and some coriander and some other things, just because pepper can really, really overpower and kind of fight against the, the taste of uh, taste of pork in a lot of situations. But that's not to say don't use any pepper in your rub or your pork shoulder or your ribs. Uh, but be very careful with pepper, I would say, when you use pork. You don't want to overdo it. You don't want the pork to taste like a pepper bomb, uh, whereas beef and pepper are, are, are BFS. They go for long walks on the beach. <laughs> well, one thing <laughs> I, I was picking on salt earlier is because it, it, uh, at almost every restaurant, they have salt and pepper on the table for you. So when you use too much salt when grilling or cooking, it's very noticeable if you are like me and you have too much. You have an overdose of salt. So yes. salt something you can always add more to get your personal liking there at your table. Right. And I just hate when restaurants like In-N-Out hamburgers, I think, overdo it on the salt thing. Yeah. And it just yeah. ruins the taste of the burger, in my, my humble opinion. Yep, it is a fine line between not enough salt and too much to where you can't really even tell what you're eating aside from just the salt. Yeah. I think you're, you're just licking a, a block of salt. No, that's, that's true. That's one of the, you know, the magic of uh, seasoning. You can really, uh, you've really got to nail it. It's very important. Yeah, it's one of the big questions of my life right now. I really only have two. And one of those questions is how much salt is too much salt? The other question is, Matt, that I have that I just haven't been able to answer is I don't understand the question about women. I just don't understand women. <laughs> well, see, yeah, well, we helped a little bit today because, uh, you know, if you ever, if you've ever, anybody listening has ever asked their, uh, asked their wife or their girlfriend, uh, you know, hey, listen, what sounds good to you? Where do you want to go eat? Uh, you typically will will not do that too many times. Make that mistake yeah. because you're not going to get an answer. But we did. You know what? We did cover some pretty important developments. A small menu. You know what? Your wife, your girlfriend can't look at it for that long. You got to <laughs> choose one. Or, you got to choose one of three or four items, and uh, that can really be helpful. You know, it kind of goes along with what we're talking about. Yeah, the smaller the menu, the less likely you'll have the ping pong match of what are you going to have? I don't know. What are you going to have? I don't know. What are you What are you going to have? Right. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if there's only two things on the menu, you're done. <laughs> right. That's right. And let me clarify. I don't understand women, but I sure like them. So we love our women. I just you, you know some, both. I just you sometimes don't understand them. So, but and I don't understand how much is too much salt. Besides that, I'm doing great in life. Matt Hearman. These are the great. Yeah, these are the great questions of our generation. It, it certainly is. Barrister, thank you very much. We appreciate your incredible knowledge, and we will chat with you again next week. Have a good rest of your week. I can't wait. You too. All right. And that will conclude y'all here on this Tuesday edition. Thanks again to Matt Hearman's and all the other great stuff we had on our show. Hope you enjoyed it. And again, if you want more of the show, go find the archives of the show at y'all.com or go into iTunes and get the free download of the iTunes podcast edition of this y'all episode and the more than 130 episodes that we have produced. We'll see you back here tomorrow as we continue on with more of the show all about the South. This is y'all with the general John Rawl. 
Hey, this is Shaq. When I was playing ball, our team doctors helped me overcome pain with something called TENS therapy. And Icy Hot Smart Relief is that same kind of therapy. You just push a button and whoosh. Smart Relief sends waves of relaxing pulses that immediately start blocking pain. Back, hip, knee, or shoulder pain. Even works for hours after you turn it off. Man, this Smart Relief so smart, they should call it Shaq Relief. Ooh, I like that one. Somebody write that down for me. Turn on Smart Relief and turn off pain. Get my lawyer on the phone. You need to patent that. Use only as directed.